0: From that moment onwards, I promised myself and everyone around me that it was going to be me all the time, no smoke and mirrors. What you see is what you get. If you don't like what you're getting, you can bugger off because I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going to be exactly who I am. And you know what happened? The corporate clients freaking loved it. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast, where we delve into the stories of successful entrepreneurs so you can discover what's possible. Today's guest is Chris Ducker.
1: Hey, this is Yarrow, and today I have a a longtime friend on the line with me who I have interviewed many, I think it's years ago now, uh, back to share his story. uh, It was a couple of stories. It was about outsourcing virtual assistants Uh, he's lived in the philippines although he definitely doesn't have a filipino accent you'll hear in a moment he's well and truly british and he also was uh, famous for essentially removing himself from his business so successfully creating a business that runs itself and that's what we initially talked to my guests and i'll put through the link for that previous interview But that idea has morphed and evolved to become something bigger, uh, a movement that we're going to talk about today, as well as a book about this movement. So I'd like to welcome
0: Chris Ducker back to the virtual stage. Chris, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be back, man. Thank you very much for allowing me to grace your audience again. So we're
1: here to talk about Youpreneur, but I want to talk a little bit more about your background first, because there are a lot of people who have no idea, and I know it might be surprising because you're kind of world famous now, but who don't know what you've done, where you've come from. Uh, obviously, this podcast is very much about you know, information marketers and bloggers and people who've made that kind of living. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, it was sort of general entrepreneurship. And I think you kind of fit in both categories because you are unique in the sense that you built a business that's, I won't say 100% offline, but it's got employees. You, last time I spoke to you was 300. I'm sure it's way more now because we're talking years ago. Uh, but you mm-hmm. also do online marketing and information marketing, and you sell, you know, your own digital training products and books, and you run a, a brand new conference. So, can we maybe in five minutes sum up the lifelong journey to get Chris to this point? <laughs> what you have done
0: so far, Chris? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, my my background is is in sales and marketing, specifically within the uh, publishing and the event organization space. So that's kind of what I did in the corporate life. Um, and, and then sort of around 14 years or so ago, I set up my first consulting company, which within 18 months kind of morphed into um, a BPO. It, it was a call center facility uh, in the Philippines, which, you know, when we started, we had like six employees and two of them were me and my wife, um, we almost went bankrupt. Uh, after about four months clawed our way back and now you know here we are all these years later and we have just over 450 employees and and staff from literally all around the world or rather clients from all around the world um, and that's really the core you know that's the big corporate company that i still own and operate i don't manage it anymore i've got people in there doing all that for me now but um you know really up until about 2010 the only thing that I would use the internet for was, you know, Google searches and email. That was literally it. And then I burnt out, as a lot of entrepreneurs do. And in 2010, I started blogging. um, And in the middle of that year, I started podcasting to sort of tell the journey of how I was going to remove myself from the business uh, and avoid burnout again. And that was where the whole kind of internet business world began for me Mm. Um, and still that call center today to you know right now today the only thing we really have to do with the online business world is a website and we just get found organically you know from prospective customers we don't blog there we don't we don't do anything it's just kind of a brochure site so all of the work that i do in terms of creating content and building communities and you know my email lists and things like that that's all at chrisducker.com and youpreneur.com which is only a few years old but that's kind of the focus for me now Going forward and helping these personal brand business owners such as coaches and authors and bloggers and podcasters and speakers create real profitable business entities around them, their experience and the people that they want to serve.
1: So tell me... You built this, I guess it's a bricks-and-mortar business. That's a funny term. Oh, it is, but, very much. You know, but it is, yeah, right? You've yeah. got a, got an office with people in it taking phone calls and servicing other businesses around the world, so it's a B2B business. Um, yep. And you, you grew it, you ran it, and then you put people in place to manage it and take it over for you, and it does very well, and no doubt it supports you and your family. At that point, you could have done anything, really, because you obviously had the sort of financial freedom. and. Mm-hmm. The decision you made next would have been based not purely on money. So I'm kind of curious. Uh, I know you as a guy with a fairly big personality. Uh, and I do wonder, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong here, Chris, but I do wonder, <laughs> was the old, not the old business, but the, the, uh, the business that is now running itself in, in telecom- telemarketing, was that maybe not suited to your personality as much because it didn't give you a platform to maybe express parts of yourself that you get to express now as a youpreneur? Is, is that fair to say?
0: I would say that's bang on the money, my man. This is why I love being interviewed by you. You're so good. You go you go deep. You go way deeper than a lot of other podcast hosts. So I started that company um, because I had two kids, almost three. I now have four. Um, and so I, You don't have five. You know, <laughs> I'm pretty positive.
1: Okay, um, I lose track. So. <laughs> you got you got a wide range too. They're like one is forty and the other's zero or something. So. Yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel really old. But man. you look great. You only look like you're thirty. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. It's amazing what plastic surgery can do. But no, I I, uh, I I what it was, you know, I started the business because that was what I had been doing. I'd been serving that industry. And the industry is a very financially buoyant one. It's very healthy. It's never been bad. And so I saw the money quite frankly. And, you know, I've got a family. That's my number one role. I'm a provider first and foremost before anything and everything else. And so, you know, we set it up, we grew it. Like I said, we almost went bankrupt. I made major mistakes at the beginning, hiring the wrong people, getting involved with the wrong clients and all that kind of stuff. But we clawed our way back and we did what we needed to do to survive in that first year. And then slowly but surely it started to grow. But one thing I noticed that didn't really hit me until 2010 when I started the blogging And the podcasting is that when I was involved with this content creation, what was happening was I I felt this level of creativity that I hadn't felt for a long, long time since when I was back in, you know, the event and the publishing game back in the UK. And I really enjoyed it, but I was suppressing it. So there was a lot of smoke and mirrors. I wasn't being the real Chris, with my content creation on my site because I was upset or or, or I was worried about upsetting some of my corporate clients should they come over my blog Mm -hmm. or my podcast. And so I was really suppressing the real me. And it was actually back surgery, to be honest with you, that put me over the edge. Middle of 2012, uh, I had an L5-S1 spinal fusion procedure done and I was laid up for a, a couple of weeks and it really, really got me thinking about what I really wanted to do from a, a career perspective, because I didn't want to feel like I was holding back anymore. I'd been very lucky in a couple of years of blogging and and, and creating shows that, you know, I'd created a little bit of a community of maybe five, six thousand people on my email list, whatever it was. And um, I wanted to give them more of me. I mean, they liked me. It seemed. Why not? Give them all of it. And so, yeah, just before the end of 2012, we switched everything over for my initial domain, which is, I think, when you and I first came in touch with each other, which was virtual business lifestyle. Um, and then I just switched everything over to ChrisDucker.com, my personal domain name. Mm. And from that moment onwards, I promised myself and everyone around me that it was going to be me all the time no smoke and mirrors what you see is what you get if you don't like what you're getting you can bugger off mm. because i'm i'm not going to hide anymore i'm going to be exactly who i am and you know what happened the corporate clients freaking loved it Probably they got more loved business they yeah, and now i'm thinking Geez, I should have done this two years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. They absolutely loved it because they, you know, they were listening to the shows. My corporate clients were listening to the shows. And I'm like, I didn't know that you were a Bruce Lee fan. That's so cool. <laughs> or I didn't know that you played basketball. I thought you were a Brit. I thought you'd be kicking a football around, you know. So it was it was really it was nice. It felt great to not sort of have that in the shadows anymore. And ever since then, you know, it became very apparent to me that when I look back. Through the growth of the business it became really apparent to me that people do business with me as a person way before they do business with any of my companies and so that was when i really started to get very serious about the personal brand aspect of the business mm.
1: yeah you can see the seeds for youpreneur right there now i'd really like to sort of connect the dots and maybe make a, su- a few subtle uh, distinguished points here because Going back in time, I remember studying... One of us has to be distinguished. It might as well be you. <laughs> I'll try. I don't have the British accent. so um, Back in, oh, I don't know when it was, but a long time ago, I remember studying Jay Abraham's content. You, you might probably know him. And you know, he's from the yeah. old school world of direct response marketing, even prior to the internet days. And I remember reading, and this is probably the one takeaway I get from him more than anything else. He introduced the concept of education-based marketing. Uh, and his initial sort of starting point for that was you know, send a CD in the mail with uh, the CEO or the founder of your company talking and teaching to really create a, a personal connection, to educate people, you know, to, sh- to show your preeminence, as, as Jay would say. Now, mm-hmm. that to me, you know, education based marketing always makes a lot of sense. And uh, it's something I grew up on with blogging and, and sharing my ideas online and teaching as well. But I feel like the youpreneur concept and possibly the internet itself with youtube they all have the word you in it you know you facebook (laughs) you instagram they all sort of further emphasize or even took a little bit of a left step from education-based marketing to personality-based education-based marketing is that kind of accurate to say you think is that sort of evolved to that point
0: i think it has i think the reason why is because Like I said, people want to do business with other people. I really believe that. And I've been saying that for years and years. That's not a youpreneur thing at all. I've just been saying it for a long, long time. And so, um, you know, again, when I look back at all the deals I've closed in my sales career, all of the dinners that I've been at, all the exhibition floors that I stood on, all of the meetings that I had at events, and everything ended up, or whatever ended up with Sales being created, it was because I had a great relationship with the people that I was selling to. Um and I you know a lot of the time I never even thought about it as being sales. i I genuinely thought about it as just servicing my clients. like so you've got a need, I've got the solution. Bosh, thank you for playing. Let's do a deal. And so I, I just, that was kind of my mentality to the whole sales thing. I never forced a sale on anyone. I always made sure that what they were getting was exactly what they needed. They respected that. They were happy to refer me. I mean, I sold secondhand cars. If I look under a hood of a car, I've got no idea what I'm looking at. To this day, but I sold second-hand cars because I knew the type of cars to sell to the type of clients because of their needs and their requirements. And you know, I was what eighteen when I was selling cars. I had not—I didn't even have a driving license. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was ridiculous. So I, I think that people really do want to do business with other people, and I think that's why this personality and this more personal brand marketing is becoming more and more important. And here, it, you know, you, you're talking about something that happened decades ago you know what i mean Mm. and and yet nobody really saw this coming like nobody really saw the personal brand as a genuine business model coming until very very recently and it kind of surprises me because when i think back you know you think jay agraham i think zig ziglar Mm. you know um other people might you know be thinking uh, richard branson i mean i'm also a big fan of sir richard branson as well but you know it's as I always say, it's about becoming somebody's favorite. It's about falling in love with somebody and what they're all about, what they stand for. Uh, and Zig has been gone for many years now. But um, to this day, I, I, I still, I can tell you right now, there isn't a month that goes by where I don't consume en masse some kind of Zig Ziglar content, whether it be reading parts of a book of it, or listening to an audio uh, recording or watching a video on YouTube. I I love Zig ziggler very very much i've got a genuine affection for the guy i never got the opportunity to meet him i wish i did but when you find someone like that that really kind of pulls on your heartstrings a little bit as well as your headstrings, it's it means something it's a genuine relationship and that's why i think it's now becoming so important to really treasure your relationships and not use them you know
1: mm. was that is a uh, was he born Zig Ziggler? Zig i always wondered that
0: no, his real name was um, I think his real his real I, I believe his first name was Hillary. I th- I'm, no I'm not even I'm not even joking. Hang on, as we're chatting, I'm going to google his yeah, google name. This one out. I always
1: thought was either it. fantastic parents giving you the perfect name for well, any anything you want to do or he's right. he's gone and, you know, changed his name to give him a more perfect marketing branding kind of name.
0: You know? I know, right? No, so he he was born, he was born Hilary Hinton Ziegler. Oh. His nickname was Zig.
1: Not bad. That's pretty good. <laughs>
0: That's a pretty good nickname. It is pretty good. <laughs> so uh,
1: let's make this relevant for the you know the listeners who possibly actually might be where you are or where you were when you had a business in the sense that you had an offline business. Uh, and you wanted to take a, well, you decided to take a step into a, a completely different direction. Really, <laughs> you know, you went to this online personality-driven business. You started like everyone with, I'm assuming, no connections, no tech skills. Um, you know, you weren't a media person before. You you weren't exactly writing books or recording videos or speaking out audios for anything in your life. And suddenly, mm-hmm. in sounds like around about 2010, you decide to do that. How do you how do you begin that? Especially when you've spent and you were already an adult. You already had family. It's not like you were doing this at eighteen. You already had spent right. time building a skill set. You know, getting immersed in an industry and a way of doing things. You're starting from scratch at like you know a bit of an older age, not old, but older. Uh, how how <laughs> do you uh, how do you you know do that?
0: Well, I think you know looking back on it, I think I didn't I think was like a lot of things that, you know, when it comes to an entrepreneur, you try things out. Right. I mean, that's we're always testing. We're always trying new things or we should be anyway. And I didn't really know what to expect. If I'm to be really honest, I just knew that I, you know, by the end of 2009, I was consuming, you know, um, duct tape marketing as a blog from John Janst. Uh, I was consuming, you know, I, I had just discovered Pat Flynn and smart passive income, uh, and we've now become very, very close friends. And you know, I, I, two or three other blogs I was reading, and maybe I was watching YouTube videos. I can't remember exactly, but what I what I do recall was that I remember thinking to myself, well, you know what, I can string a few words together. You know, I've been in business for a while. I've got stuff I can share and help people with. And I'm on this journey where, you know, if people are interested, they can kind of follow along and see what happens. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, I call it the car chase theory. When um, O.J. Simpson, you know, got in his Bronco and started driving all over L.A., they interrupted the NBA Finals, on tv in america for that wow they cut the finals and went to just following this car this these helicopters it's a car chase it why because people want to see what's going to happen at the end when it's all over what what's the outcome and so i figured you know i'll take people on my own car chase in in 2010 and we did it you know It, it worked great
1: ended a bit better than the car chase might have ended um (laughs) probably (laughs) so for the for the person listening in who's thinking the same thing do you nowadays for today you know 2018 do you suggest people pick a platform and just go hard with it and you know somehow try and grow an audience from that what are you give us a few steps let's make this practical for people chris what, what would you advise the beginner to to start with
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I I think in terms of content, because you've got to build a platform, right? So, you know, it's either one of the three big ones, you know, either blogging, podcasting or video. One of the three. I think you go with the one that you're the most confident with and the most at home and comfortable with it it could be writing you know you don't necessarily want to be in the in front of the camera then maybe you just write or maybe you podcast maybe you haven't got you know any real inclination to want to record a show but you're happy to do youtube videos whatever it is just pick one of the three to begin with and what will happen something amazing will happen when you start out you'll start creating content that you think and that's the key word in this sentence that you think the people that you want to attract will want to hear and see and consume from you. Some of that might be true. Some of it might not. But after a certain period of time of consistently, and there's the other key word, consistently creating this content, you will actually start to get somewhat of an audience. It could be a small audience. It could be a very big one. But ultimately, you will create an audience of people that are consuming your content on a regular basis. And this is, At this moment is the exact time where the real magic begins. Because what will happen is they'll start talking back to you. They'll tell you what their struggles are. They'll tell you what they liked about that latest blog post or this latest video. They'll tell you what they didn't like. They'll tell you what they need help with. And then you can start creating content that you know that they actually need and want to see from you. And that's when the magic begins. Because once you start giving people exactly what they want, you become their favorite. And if you become their favorite, sooner or later down the line, when you create a course or you put together an event or you start a service that can help them, what's going to happen? Because they trust you because you're one of their favorites, they're going to end up buying from you and you're going to end up solving a problem for them. Everybody's a winner.
1: So as you go through that process, whichever platform you choose to start with, what are the metrics you believe are worth kind of monitoring to see how you're going? Because I I hear a lot of people kind of maybe say, you know, how do I know this is working? We're talking about a a kind of amorphous subject area. You know, it's like I'm doing personal branding. Branding itself is already a little bit amorphous. You don't know how to judge it. It's not like... Uh, tracking clicks on an ad Uh, you know it's not even like ratings on TV in some levels it's just putting stuff out there and hoping people interact but I got to make money from this at some point especially let's say I'm already a business owner and someone's told me I got to be more youpreneur in order to sell what I already sell for my business I got to stop talking about my business start talking about myself which feels really weird but you're telling me that's gonna help me sell more of my stuff so how do I kind of gauge what's working and what's not working
0: well, I mean, for me, there's only one way that I gauge what I'm what I'm creating is either being effective or not, and it's not a follower count, it's not a subscriber count, uh, or an email list count, or even a share or a like count. Um, I gauge everything that I do in terms of it, its effectiveness from feedback. Plain simple. So emails or direct Facebook messages or tweets or Or people coming up to me at conferences and saying, hey, that podcast that you did on burnout, that really helped me, bub, 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 bub. That's how I gauge what I'm doing and its effectiveness. Uh, Not every piece of content that I create hits home, obviously. Um, Some of it, you know, ends up being hardly ever consumed. But you know what? One thing I have learned after creating content for eight years now, um, you've been doing it longer than me. And I'm sure you'll probably agree with me in some way with this statement is that, If I can just change one person's life, whether it be solve a problem for them at home or make them more money at work or whatever, if I can do that, then working on that piece of content was worthwhile. And I mean that genuinely. Uh, and I learned that in a very, very direct manner in 2015 when I was, I came off the stage at a conference in America and uh, I had done my keynote on virtual freedom, which was my book, which came out in 2014. And I was sort of winding down, you know, you do about a year of keynotes to promote a new book and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and I was winding down. I came off, it was in New Orleans. I came off stage and we were doing a book signing. I made mean, about 400 or so books or so. Some of them are pre-signed. Some of them weren't. If people wanted to get one personally signed, they could come up to me. And I had maybe a queue of 70 or 80 people that wanted a personally signed books. So I'm signing books away. And the very last guy in the line comes up to me and he said, you know, I, I queued up last because I wanted to tell you my story. Your book changed my life. And you, you know what? When you write a book, if it's half decent. You're going to hear that from time to time. It's kind of a standard thing that people say, right? And so I'd heard it a few times, and it's great to hear it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not blase about it. But then he continued to tell me that his wife of what, whatever it was, four or five years or something, had died of cancer and that they had a three-year-old daughter. And that he had no idea what he was going to do because he'd been, you know, a high end consultant, I think, in the finance game for years. And now he was at at home and he he had no real way of making money and so on and so on and so on. And he he needed to be to look after his daughter. He picked up my book literally the week it came out by the sound of it. And he started to build his virtual team to help him launch his own sort of real hardcore consulting company. And it allows him you know, to take his daughter to kindergarten and pick her up and spend weekends with her. And he's no longer traveling and all this type of stuff. By the time he was done, Yarrow, telling me this story, I've got tears streaming down my face because I just realized I wrote this book for this guy. Mm -hmm. Forget everybody else. I wrote it for him and for his daughter. And so that's what I'm talking about. That's how I measure. That's my metric right there is feedback from people that consume my content. That's it
1: the tear factor chris i'm hearing more and more about you crying i'm (laughs) beginning to wonder here (laughs) oh shocking it really is Uh, it's a good it's a there's a metric for you how 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 many times do you cry because of feedback how many times yeah how many
0: times (laughs) does your audience make you cry on a monthly basis right anything less than five and you're not doing a good enough job
1: (laughs) Um, i mean i like that i like feedback as a metric it's it's so personal that's what's Fantastic, but I have to take the side of, of another group of people here, who are also saying I need to make money. <laughs> so, you know, it's great to get this feedback, sure. but when do I start counting the the sales and, and see the the Stripe or the PayPal or, or even old school checks in the mail? When does that start happening, and how do I how do I gauge if I'm even heading in that direction to know well, that well, I'm you doing see, the right thing?
0: That's the thing. When you start getting feedback like that, you know you're doing the right thing. Then it just comes down. To digging deeper with the people that you're serving and finding out where the real struggles are. Once you find out what the real struggles are, you can start creating products, services, experiences, offering affiliate deals, and all that kind of stuff to them to ultimately solve their problems, but at the very same time, put money in your PayPal account. So, you know, another perfect personal example would be Virtual Starfinder. I had seen several comments on my blog within the first year or two of it, um, you know, uh, being up and running um from people saying i don't know where to get a virtual assistant that i can really trust you know these freelancers up on bloody ODesk and whatnot they let you down all the time and etc cetera, etc cetera. so obviously the entrepreneurial alarm bells ring and I, uh, I and i start virtual starfinder and we're now what whatever it is five almost uh, six almost seven years into that business now and we sold. Thousands, we've served thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs around the world looking for high end, good quality VAs here in the Philippines. I wouldn't have done that if it hadn't been for that feedback. So, and obviously, I've made a load of money in the process. So, it it really does come down to getting that feedback and then digging deeper. You know, what drives me nuts is that when people have got great audiences, and they always talk about, oh, you know, this got a thousand likes and this went viral and all that kind of stuff. My, my whole thing is like, are you listening to your audience, though? Are you genuinely listening? Genuinely. Because if you are, you can make a hell of a lot of money. If you're not, then you're going to be leaving a lot of money on the table. Hmm.
1: Let me ask you uh, about personality types. Because what we're talking about here sounds like something that maybe an extrovert or a person who feels comfortable talking about personal subjects in a very public format on the internet uh, can do, where there are probably some people here going, no, I don't want to talk about my family, my kids, my relationships, what I had for breakfast, I don't want to start, you know, doing those kind of videos or Instagramming, Uh, yet you're telling me that might be what I need to do in order to grow. A a youpreneur business so I guess this is two questions is there a certain type of personality type that this is suited for and therefore there are some that it's not suited for and if if you're maybe the wrong kind of personality does that mean that this business format is completely Mm -hmm. not for you as well because um, you know, maybe you should be doing something way more behind the scenes where you you get to be not on stage. Maybe you should be working with someone else who who is the the face and the name and you're you're the partner, the silent partner or the tech person or whatever. Who's right for this?
0: Well, I mean, honestly, it, you know the the Upener business model is about creating several different streams of income based around your experience and the people that you want to sell and, and, you know, serve and sell to. Um, For some people, it's going to be easier to get into the camera or get in front of the camera rather or behind the mic or be up on stage and all that sort of type of thing. Because, you know, there are introverts and there are extroverts. But I mean, yes, I'm quite extroverted. But, you know, when I mean, you, you know, you, you attended the Youpreneur Summit and you saw, um, you know, Joanna Penn on stage uh, in front of 300 plus people talking about uh, selling more books. Um, Joanna is a real introvert. I mean, you know her well. Mm. She's an introvert, yet she has made a ton, a ton of money on being an author and speaking and coaching. So if, you know, I mean, she's just one example, obviously. But what I'm getting at is what you do really, really well, you do more of that. Don't sweat the other stuff too much at all. In in the very first section of Rise of the Youpreneur, there is a little exercise that I get everybody to do called the self a a self-awareness test rather. And it's just as simple as basically getting a piece of paper and creating two columns on one side. You write down all the stuff that you're great at. And then I I think I call that the flatter yourself (laughs) list. (laughs) And then on the other side of the line on the page there, you create what I call a keep it real list. And that's where... You just write down all the stuff you're no good at. You're rubbish at it. So don't bother doing that. Do more of what you do really, really well. And I think that self-awareness is enough for even the most introverted introvert to still make a really good living and help tons of people in the process following the youpreneurial business model.
1: Mm. I'm, I'm an introvert too. So you know I, I, I don't think the introvert-extrovert line is a, a deal breaker. But I do wonder um, if you're not comfortable – sharing about your life if it's possible mm-hmm. to make this work, because it is about you, right? So,
0: right. I, well, I mean, but look at you. I mean, you you do really, really well, and yeah, you have helped. I share a ton about my
1: life. Like, I'm not a, I'm a, I'm a counter argument. I'm, I'm more like, well, I'm not like you, Chris, but I'm like you in terms of how much I share. So, sure. Uh,
0: I, okay. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's a fair comment. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, if you're really that personal of a person, uh, or private of a person rather, um, then yes, probably the Youpreneur business model is not for you. You you know, in order to be able to build uh, a, a personal brand type of business, you've got to get personal from time to time. It's in, it's in the title of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, yeah, I mean, maybe there might be a, you know, a percentage of people that just shouldn't touch with this kind of business model, uh, and that's fine. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Uh, and news flashes. I didn't write the book for those people. You know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah. I wrote the book for the people who are happy doing it, so I can help them.
1: And I think you'll know too when you start whatever platform you choose there's a sense of almost joy, almost therapy sometimes when you do write yes. about yourself. So you yes. know very soon, very quickly, whether, you know, if, you, if there is any doubt in your mind as you listen to us talk, you will know as you write your blog post or record your podcast or do a video, are you feeling this sense of, I'm actually kind of enjoying it. I, I know I, I kind of feel guilty sometimes because, you know, I'm writing a book and I'm writing all about myself and I'm going, this is 100% about me. It's the most egotistical experience I could ever have, yet... It's how you run a business and get paid and people want to hear this. And it kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting that that's how our society mm-hmm. can work. We can be so selfish in order to help so many people, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chris, I'd love to keep going a little bit maybe back in time and then bring it up to today because one thing we certainly didn't cover in the last time I spoke to you on, on the interview was how switching to this newpreneur model has evolved because, you know, you you have a, a I guess you could say the start of really cementing this brand of yours of youpreneur and, and really bringing this movement to a wide group of people. But to get to that point, if we go back in time, it was 2010, 11, 12, you start podcasting, you start blogging. Can you take us forward? What was like your first income stream from your youpreneur business and, and take us forward from that.
0: Wow. That's a good question. Um, what was my first real? And when I say real, I mean like something I created, not an affiliate. I mean, easily, the, the first way I made money was affiliate marketing, no doubt about that. Um, but in terms of my first product, I think it was probably an ebook. Uh, I wrote an ebook called Saving the Day the Virtual Way and it was a very short ebook um, <laughs> I thought I wouldn't strain myself first time out of the gate too much <laughs> um, I think I, I I think there was something like 35 36 pages or something like that in it I sold it for nine dollars and um, you know we, we we sold a whole bunch of them I mean by the time I ended up not selling it anymore and giving it away for free as an opt-in uh, once it became a little dated um, I reckon we probably had sold Good gosh maybe three or four hundred copies of the thing maybe mm-hmm. um and that was you know kind of the first time i'd actually created something like i made this you know it's very cavemanish and you know this i've have created and people have paid money for it and and they haven't asked for refunds i must be doing something right you know what i mean um and then and then really the next thing i did after that to make any money and this is when i started to make some really good money out of my personal brand was um masterminds you know the first mastermind uh session that i ever held was early 2011 it was in the uk uh i charged 150 pounds per person there was 10 people in the room and i was ecstatic you know, I was absolutely ecstatic that we sold out those 10 seats in the matter of hours of my blog post going up and my email being sent. Um, and, uh, you know, that was definitely the first kind of time I could say well, I made a lot of money in, in one day kind of thing online. But I but understand also that, you know, the realistic the realistic takeaway here is that I was also making way more than that with my brick and mortar business. Way, way, way more. But I got more excited about the. <laughs> the online stuff, you know? It's quite, it's very strange, but I did, I generally got more excited about it, Um, and then I guess probably after that it would have been um, some speaking gigs, and then virtual staff finder, uh, and then some decent good, good paying keynote um, engagements, and and then it kind of just carried on from there, I guess. And,
1: and throughout that time, you're writing blog posts, you're doing your podcast, yep. and you're, yep. just, you're growing this this personal brand, which initially was around hiring virtual assistants, right? That was kind of like your your niche to yeah. start with, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, because I was doing it. I'd been doing it for a while. Um, you know, at the time when I started, uh, Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek was very, very popular. And I remember picking up that book. And saying to myself, well, this is great. Tim has opened the door up here. And I don't know Tim. I still don't know him. But, you know, it's like Tim has opened this door up where a lot of small business owners are going to be interested in VAs. And sure enough, man, even at the call center where we didn't say anything about virtual assistants on our website, because we were in the Philippines, a ton of people started emailing us about VAs. So even before I was blogging and podcasting about it. We had a lot of people asking us about VAs, and I was already working with them. I had web developers and designers and social media people and all that kind of stuff. I was already working with them, so I figured, yeah, what the what the hell? Let's start talking about it. Um, and I think it was the combination of that and the journey in 2010 of me removing myself and having to hire a whole bunch of people that people really kind of attached themselves to. Like I said, they wanted to follow that that car chase journey of mine, and um, it enabled me to have a lot of doors open up for me, uh, particularly in the speaking world, because nobody was speaking about VAs not properly with genuine experience under their belt um, in the online business world. So I was getting asked to speak all over on that subject, and that kind of just, you know, it, it, it you know, the book came out in 2014, the business just absolutely ballooned in in 14 and 15 um and you know that was around the same time as i gave birth to Upreneur because i had started to work with a lot of people like authors and bloggers and speakers and coaches and consultants because they were the ones that were the one-man bands they needed the vas before or more than anyone else you know, mm. and so because I'd started to work with all these people, I realized what was making them tick, and I, I realized that what was making them tick was making me tick. And so these were the people I wanted to work with, and that was how you know the Upreneur mastermind community was born and the events around that, and obviously the summit and, and, and now the book.
1: It's just a good, good point to I think, maybe summarize what is what is in the book and, and what is your business or your, your plan for the future around this Upreneur movement?
0: Well, I mean the book is, you know, we call it The Definitive Guide to Becoming the Go-to Leader in Your Industry and Building a Future-Proof Business. So, I mean, in it, it's basically kind of cut up into three sections. It's it's building It's marketing, and then it's monetizing. Um, And so, you know, this is the great thing. If you've already been building uh, a business around yourself for a while, and you've already got your online home set up properly, and you know who you're selling to and who you are and what you're all about and all that kind of stuff, then skip the first 75 pages. Forget about them. (laughs) Move on to the marketing section. Yes, I'm telling you not to read my book or (laughs) sections of it anyway, right? I mean, genuinely, because you won't learn anything from it. You know, it is the definitive guide, so therefore we have to cover all of it. Right. So, um, you know, and then obviously we go into, you know, spreading of your message and building community and positioning yourself uh, as an expert and, and you know, growing your business circles. And then monetization goes through to, you know, figuring out what you want to sell and developing your pricing strategy and building your own ecosystem of all these different little tentacles that end up bringing money in bit by bit throughout the course of the year and we talk launching and online marketing and all that kind of stuff Um, and really you know what I probably I don't think I've actually said this out loud yet but I think this actually might be I think this actually might be the last kind of business book slash manual that I end up writing to be honest
1: never say never Chris Why, why do you feel that
0: well, I say that because I I know that these are the type of people that I want to work with for the rest of my career. I'm very, very sure of that um, because I'm one of them and I get them and they get me and it just works very, very well. Um, now, I'm not saying that I won't write other books. I love writing books. I love the, the creation and the marketing process of books. But I don't think I'll do another manual, like another how-to manual like this um i might go maybe a little bit more deeper in the things like relationships and all that kind of stuff in the future but um yeah i mean i I i've i've poured everything into this thing man it it really is uh it's it's the manual it's it's how you do this and it's done by nothing but sheer experience in the and the experience of the people that i feature in the book as well
1: I thought we might have a, a Jay Z moment there, where you're you're dropping your last lyric and you're leaving the industry. And out you go. You know? <laughs> no, no, nothing
0: quite like that. Nothing. I'm having too much fun to walk away from it all. Um, but but I'm genuine. I mean, I I really feel like these these are the people I want to work with in, until you know I, I kind of hang up and, and and retire, which I you know, geez, it could be a long time before that happens. But it just goes to show you how how I feel about. Um, you know this as a movement, and as a, how I feel about the people that I'm working with. I am happier today as an entrepreneur. I'm more inspired, and I'm more enthusiastic to get out of bed every morning than I ever have been in the 14 years of of being my own boss. And I absolutely love what I do every single day. And I don't think you can ask for much more than that in life. No, you know?
1: No, it's it's interesting how your path is gone because you could have quite easily just become, let's say, uh, a telemarketing mogul. You know, Just stayed in that industry, uh, Mm -hmm. grew it more and more and more. Not that you stopped growing that company, but you could have put 100% of your energy there. But you wanted to move to an area where you got to express a part of your personality, which you didn't get to express, I guess, in in that market. So, yet you made them both work, which is kind of cool. That's, I think, one of the, you can see the connection between, you know, getting one business to run itself which then gave you this platform to talk about virtual assistance which was the starting point for you becoming a youpreneur which is now what you're spreading as a message so the yeah. the flow there is lovely i'm curious chris what you think in terms of the future especially when it comes to technology because it's fair to say this is one of the industries that changes the the most rapidly you know, mm-hmm. when, I, when I started blogging was it, that was social media, there was no Facebook. Uh, YouTube was maybe just getting started. You know, now we're moving to live streaming and there seems to be a new app that's kind of like flavor of the week, but then only a few of the biggest ones seem to be dominating, you know, a Facebook or an Instagram. Uh, and then we've got virtual reality popping in and augmented reality uh, and, and whatever, whatever the next version of the internet is, uh, maybe blockchain based, who knows. What and how will this impact youpreneurs? Does it, does it mean you have to be very dynamic and keep changing platforms? What's your opinion on this?
0: My opinion is that, uh, you know, I believe you should carry on being where your audience is um, and creating content that they can consume and learn from. That's my kind of initial. Because you were on Periscope really early, if I remember, right? Yes. And I. I mean, if I can just self-proclaim it, I crushed it on Periscope. It, it launched a whole new community for me. And once I realized that there were people on Periscope that wanted to hear from me, I went all out on that. When we launched the Youpana community uh, in September of 2015, I did it an entire week. I launched an entire week before I ever sent an email to my list. And I had over 200 people join in that one, one week purely because of my Periscope following. And, I mean, it was ridiculous, Yarrow. Every time I went live, there were two, 300 people watching and sticking around mm. for like a 15, 30-minute hangout. And, you know, the content was actually pretty simple. Honestly speaking, I would get a Post-it note. I would say, right, today we're talking about your about page and why it's important for your website. And I just put literally three bullet points – On that post-it note, I'd stick it to the bottom of my phone, put the phone in a little tripod, (laughs) hit go live, and that was my nose. That's what I would work from. And, I mean, you know, I have no problems ad-libbing. I'm happy to ad-lib and kind of riff a little bit and everything. The the platform was perfect for me because it wasn't sexy. There was no flashing lights and pink flamingos running around. You know what I mean? It was just as simple as it was. It was just you pointing the phone at your face. It was just easy. It was easy. And, man, I, I mean, I... I absolutely ran with Periscope. God, I loved it. But now it's, absolutely-
1: it's gone, right? It's, it's,
0: but now it's gone. Exactly. And so now my audience is, is hanging out more on Instagram and hanging out more on Facebook live. So I'll go live on Facebook. I'll post lots of stuff on Instagram every day. That's what you do. You kind of move and, and float towards where your audience is, is kind of gathering. But then you've got these things like these bots, right? These mm. bots, which I just, I can't get my head around that. It, it it might seem like it's a great idea, but for particularly for a personal brand business owner, I think it's a bloody nightmare waiting to happen for almost everybody in the industry. S- you know, I, I remember seeing something not not so long ago where um, I think somebody had uh, I think their their pet had passed away. It was just over the Christmas holiday. Their pet had passed away, and a bot. Replied to the comment or, or to the post that this person had posted on Facebook, talking about how their pet had just died and they were missing them greatly, and there was a couple of photos in the post. I think somebody's bot had replied uh, and commented on this post, saying, "Hey, Happy New Year!" or you know, "Happy Christmas" or whatever it was. Let's make this next year so good. You know, it's it's so good to be alive, or something like that. <laughs> And I was like, that is the exact reason why you should not automate that stuff. You know what I mean? So it, it was, yeah, it was a disaster. So I don't know how I feel about the tech side of things per se. But what I do know is that if you want to continue to inspire and motivate people to take action, and that's really what it's all about at the end of the day, you've got to be where they are congregating at the time. You know what? If Periscope comes up from the ashes two years from now, guess where I'm going to be hanging out, you know?
1: So you're going to kind of react to wherever the audience goes.
0: Yes, indeed. But that being said, you know, that like, for instance, Snapchat was huge a couple of years ago. And I hung out on Snapchat for a while until Instagram came out with their own ripped off version of the whole Snap story thing and everything. And obviously, I'd been building a following on instagram for years and i i remember for about a week i posted the exact same content on both platforms pretty much at the exact same time to see which one was going to bring in the most kind of feedback and, and the most use for yeah. me and instagram was like four times the amount of snapchat and i had been messing around on snapchat for a whole year yeah. instagram turns up it's already built in boom I'm done with Snapchat at that point, point. and so you know sometimes you've got to make these calls. But ultimately, I think you do have to be in a bit of a, a reaction type mode with your marketing. Mm.
1: Okay, I think that's a great place to end. We'll end with the future, uh, Chris. Where can we find out more about the book uh, in terms of you know when it's when it's released, how people can get it, any special website well, address?
0: It, it- yeah, I mean, it, it's out Feb 20. So by the time you hit publish on this, it might have already uh, uh, have, have come out already. But I mean, you know, Amazon is really the best place to pick it up. You're going to get the best price there. That's for sure for it. But if anybody's interested, you can go to riseoftheupreneur.com. There's some bonuses and giveaways and whatnot when you pick up uh, via links on on that site as well. But you'll end up buying them directly on Amazon.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris, for extending the Chris Tucker story into the Youpreneur years, which by the sounds of things might be the end or not the end, but the the, 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 final be, the beginning, of, yeah. beginning of the end, <laughs> yes, of the Chris Docker journey. Uh, anything else you want to throw out to the audience before
0: we, we say goodbye? No, I'm just very thankful, man. Thank you for for being a good friend all these these years and, uh, you know, for for showing me the support and the appreciation that you've done and putting me in front of your audience. I don't take it for granted. And I know you know that anyway.
1: No, I appreciate it, Chris. And it's easy to do. You've got uh, an interesting angle and everything, especially coming from your background of bricks and mortar mixed with uh, internet marketing, personality driven. And I love the fact that you have done both. I think that is kind of unique. As I mentioned to you at your conference, I'm this year getting into a new industry, which is bricks and mortar in in solar energy, which is very weird for me. So I, I can further appreciate how you've built two businesses now in two different kind of industries and that gets a lot of respect from me so you know keep up the good work thank you you too my man all right chris talk to you soon thanks everyone for listening in Hey, this is Yarrow. If you enjoyed this episode of the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast and you'd like to receive an email every time we release a brand new interview, as well as receive a series of the very best EJ podcast interviews from the archives, then I recommend you go straight away to interviewsclub, that's interviewsclub.com, enter your email address there, and then you'll be signed up to receive all the latest podcast episodes as soon as they released you get an email direct to your inbox that's interviewsclub.com